Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 66, week 66, volume 66, number fucking 66. How you going, guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Lockie from Reactions, and that will be coming up later in the show. So there's no real housekeeping to do this week. I think, as I said last week, you know, it's probably becoming a bit monotonous for you guys and repetitive, but I always need to say, don't forget, rate and review us, follow us, like us, spread the word about us, do whatever you can, just take a minute out and it is invaluable to helping us grow. We have noticed over the last few weeks that our listening numbers are increasing and that's all thanks to you guys. With all those little things you do, you know, sharing it, telling someone about it, posting about it, all of that is invaluable. So thank you guys for helping grow this show slowly but surely. Without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. So let's get to the part of the show, the most important part of the show. It is this week's Mosh interview. This week, I got to sit down with Lockie from Adelaide Hardcore Band Reactions. Now, we recorded this a little while ago, and I haven't had the chance to put it up, and I have had the chance now. And first thing I've got to say is thank you, Lockie, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. I was so excited to get him on the show because Reactions are one of my favorite bands that are going around in Australia at the moment. They've been a little bit quiet of late, but without a doubt, some of the best music you'll hear coming out of Australia in the hardcore game. The other reason I think I really wanted them on the show is I think they should be bigger than they are. I think they're very underrated and underappreciated. So hopefully giving Lockie a bit of time on the show will help grow the exposure for the band. And if you haven't heard them before, this is a perfect opportunity. That chat with Lockie is coming up now. So... I always start off with, um, do you kind of remember the artist or the band that kind of helped you discover music? It doesn't have to be heavy music, but just music. Um, that's a tricky one. I'd probably say the most important band, like in my childhood, was the Beatles. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, my my dad, funnily enough, listens to like two bands basically. He listens to the Beatles and the Eagles. And so I grew up listening to heaps of that stuff. And the Beatles were just, uh, mind blowing as a kid. Like just, you can, you can imagine like the music that they, they play, like sort of takes you on a trip a bit. Mm. So, um, it's crazy for a kid's imagination, what that does and the imagery and, and everything like that kind of helped me, uh, really want to pursue music or like something artistic anyway. So, so obviously, was music a big thing in your house? Um, yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, like as I said, my dad didn't listen to heaps of music, but um, pretty much every everyone in my family had like a different music taste. Mm-hmm. Like my mum was sort of your John Farnham's, like Kylie Minogue's, those sort of uh, artists, and then like her partner at the time was listening to um. Elvis, Bobby Darren, uh, Frank Sinatra, sort of more jazzy, uh, old school stuff. And then um, my brother listened to like, you know, Eminem rap, all that stuff. So, yeah, I sort of had influence from everywhere. Um, no one was really particularly musical in my family, but there was definitely always music around. Yeah. Now, what was the gateway band for you with heavier style of music? Like what was the band that drew you in and you were like, all right, this is it. I love Satan's music, as a lot of people say. Yeah, that's another tricky one. Uh, I'd say, like, if it influenced me on, like, wanting to uh, to write heavy music and be in a band, probably Parkway, mm. um, just because they were, like, one of the first really heavy things that I heard. Um, yeah, I had, had a mate who, yeah, it was really into his metal, and he had, like, a drum kit in his room that we'd play all the time, and, and he just was like, dude, you got to check out this song. Like, I think it was Smoke Em If You Got Em, I'm pretty sure, because I remember <laughs> the film clip was, like, freaky, like, real trippy stuff, and... Um, yeah, just it, it just kind of blew my mind to how heavy music could be, and uh, that kind of made me think like, shit, maybe maybe this is the path I want to go down. What what about heavy music drew you in though? Was it the aggressiveness? Was it the rebellion? Was it the fact that it was kind of like a little bit different to everyone else's tastes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in high school and 
and whatnot is probably somewhat of an outcast. So, like, yeah, definitely related to um, just the alternative part of it and, yeah, just it being different from everyone else. But, yeah, also, as I said, like, watching that video and along with the music, just the sheer, like, aggression and just sort of, like, I don't know, just, just thinking, wow, like, music can actually be this this heavy and this impactful, like, kind of, yeah, drew me in and, and yeah, made me want to, like, you know, Stick it to the man a little bit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, how old were you when you started getting into metal? Like, so, we're, are we talking like the Killing with a Smile album, Parkway? Or are we talking? The... Yeah, when that when that came out, roughly, I think I was sort of, yeah, yeah, around that time. Um, Smoke me if you got them. Yeah, when that when that dropped, I was. That's one of the first heavy things I heard. So yeah, you, I guess you could say that's when it when it started my love for heavy music. Yeah. And did you start to suddenly? out of nowhere associate yourself as a metal kid like was this during high school were you suddenly one of those kids that uh, was wearing you know the metallica shirt the pantera shirt the you know i was one of those kids that i knew as yeah. soon as i found pantera that's all i was wearing when i had the opportunity yeah. so what were you like at high school with your music did you use it as your identity or was it kind of in the background i would say like visually not heaps like mm-hmm. uh my appearance but like yeah, I definitely had band shirts. I definitely, um, like, you know, would present myself as, yeah, I'm the guy that plays guitar in the band. Like, you know, that, yeah, that was my identity. I didn't really have much else going for me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I ran with that. Yeah, probably, uh, just to answer your question about age, maybe 13, 14, 15 is, yeah, okay. when I was getting into it, yeah. Now, during the high school years, was this when you decided that you wanted to give music a serious go like when did you decide that music was the path you wanted yeah well um uh, i formed a band probably when i was in like year nine ish like just doing music classes and whatnot and sort of lucky that a couple of the kids that um were in that class were also like not into exactly the same music but at least like heavy like rock and you know doing like red hot chili pepper covers or whatever it was and yeah you know one was a drummer one was a bass player one could sing like we just it just all sort of fell together and we all sort of grew up liking heavy music together so it was a pretty natural um progression for me and yeah something i gravitated towards like pretty much instantly now during high school everyone's like oh you need to focus on your career you need to decide your Mm -hmm. path yeah what what at first were you like okay this is what i'm going to do were were you going to be like what were you going to be a teacher were you going to be an accountant what what was your initial high school you know goals that you were told to set yeah, well, funny enough, um, I was onto it fairly early. So in 2010, which was when I was, when I was in year 10, I think, I did a, um, a, a study at SAE, the School of Audio Engineering. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, just, just in one of my early bands, um, we needed to record something. And so I was like, yep, I'm heaps keen to do it. Started recording stuff and then thought like, yep, cool. If I can make some money like recording heavy bands, like that would just be the dream. So yeah, I went straight in, did that. Um, I think it was a two-year course while I was doing year 10, 11, 12. Uh, it was just lectures like twice a week or something like that for two years. And, yeah, got my diploma while I was at school when it counted towards my SACE, actually. So, yeah, I was uh, locked in pretty early on uh, doing audio engineering, yeah. Dude, you, you really went for it from an early age, man. Mass credit yep. there. You were like, ah, fuck it, I'm doing it. And you went. Yeah, for and it. I think my dad was uh, was stoked. He was sort of, you know, asking me, "All right, so like, what are you going to do? Like, as soon as you leave school, are you, you know, you're going to be a live engineer? Like, how are you going to get money and stuff?" And I just sort of thought, I don't know, I'm going to, I'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'll just sort wing it. I'll just wing it. <laughs> yeah, I somewhat, I somewhat did. <laughs> now, what band was this that you were saying earlier? I mean, was that a band that you were in for a while, or did that fall away when high school finished? Uh, I think, shit, I can't remember exact years or anything like that. We might have sort of parted our ways around 2011, probably, yeah, a band for two-ish years. It was called Cloud Vision. It Mm -hmm. was like a metalcore, yeah, essentially like, you know, Parkway sort of styles um, that we were, that was the stuff that we were all into at that time, um, just headbanging stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I think we all just grew up a little bit and uh, wanted to do, some of us wanted to do heavier stuff. Some of us wanted to do a bit lighter, more hardcore stuff, which is what I gravitated towards. I was playing guitar, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to sing in a band. So that's kind of, yeah, where that went. Now with guitar, what, 
who was your influence when you were younger to to start playing guitar? Like, who did you see and you went, fuck, I want to do that. I want to do that. That's tricky because I guess, like, when you're sort of listening to a band before you want to become a guitar player, you're not necessarily listening to just the guitar. You're not sort of mm. picking that out and going, oh, he's a good guitarist. You just think, mm. oh, this is a good song. So I think, like what really piqued my interest was like some solo guitarists. Um, Steve Vai was one that I really loved. Uh, Joe Satriani, um, Paul Gilbert, those sorts of guys really sort of opened my mind up to like, oh, well, guitar can actually like, you know, be on its own and be really impressive um, as well. So that made me think like, yeah, cool. I want to actually learn, you know, everything about this and and how how you can make it sound cool just on its own. So how long... I mean, did you take lessons? I mean, what was the go yeah. with guitars? I did. Uh, it's funny, actually. My dad, uh, I started lessons uh, pretty early on, actually. I reckon I was in maybe like grade five, four or five or something like that. And my dad bought me a toy guitar. Like, it wasn't an actual guitar. It was this little, like, <laughs> purple toy guitar. And I took it to my first guitar lesson. <laughs> and the... Um, the teacher was like, ah, oh, yeah, mate, we're going to have to do something about this. This doesn't even, <laughs> like, the strings don't even tune up or anything. I think my dad was just completely oblivious to, like, what a guitar even was. So we went and got an acoustic guitar, and, yeah, I started, like, classical lessons. Probably did that for about three-ish years. But, um, yeah, I could, I, I didn't practice much. I wasn't really heaps stoked on it. It wasn't until, like, I picked up an electric guitar and I had a mate. I was probably, like, year seven, year eight. Um, and he showed me tabs uh, for anyone listening any guitar players um where you can just sort of like look at the guitar and go okay this number for this fret and like it just made things heaps easier than like musical notation and you could really like learn just you know a song rather than Mm. like you know some classical piece or whatever you could just go and learn your favorite rock songs and that's what that's when i went oh okay yeah cool like i can be in a band i can play guitar like this is a this is a real thing but obviously as you said it wasn't really what drove you per se because you were saying how you wanted to go in the more hardcore style and you wanted to be a singer yeah why ditch the guitar and take up the microphone were you you know not confident in your abilities or was it hey i want to be center stage because i mean some people do want to be center stage Mm, yeah it was tricky i mean i'm like a pretty shy guy most of the time most situations so um, it is strange that, that, that I gravitated towards that, I guess you could say. And a lot of people do sort of, uh, it takes them by surprise when I say, yeah, like I yell in a, you know, in a metal <laughs> band, like people at work are like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked that. But, um, but yeah, that's an interesting one. I can't say I exactly remember. The one thing that I do remember is, um, one of the first hardcore bands I got into down to nothing. Ooh, um, yeah. I, uh, I saw some footage of them, at, uh, sound of fury. I want to say maybe like 2010 or something like that, just on YouTube. And like as something about that video and and like the whole atmosphere and like um, D Wood on the vocals, like I was just like, yep, yeah, I want to be a fucking vocalist in a hardcore band. That is, that's exactly what I want to do. And I don't think it was like any disrespect to guitar or like my passion for it or anything like that. I just knew like, yeah, I want to be like a singer. I want to fucking, yeah, do what he's doing basically. Now... You've decided to switch up to vocals. Do you decide to take some lessons? Do you decide to look into YouTube and kind of learn your way? Or was it literally just, I'm just going to fly from the seat of my pants and see how we go? Yeah, to be honest, like completely off the cuff, like just went for it. Just like actually the first song that we ever recorded, uh, it's called Hypocrite, was on a demo in like 2011. Um, Just literally... I think it was maybe the second or third time I'd actually done vocals. I was just yelling, just recorded it and was like, what do you guys think of this? And everyone's like, yeah, sweet. And we put it up as a demo. <laughs> and like, that was where we went. I definitely, uh, no lessons, didn't look on YouTube, nothing like that. Yeah. Just went for it. And over time, have you learned to, you know, look after the instrument that you have in that throat? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that like, uh, one of the first tours we did, funnily enough, um, was probably one of the longest ones we've done. It was with a band called Vanity uh, mm-hmm. from Perth. They, I think it was like 10 straight days. And um, I did kind of fuck my voice up there and uh, realized that, you know, after the third or fourth show, like, oh, shit, you can actually lose it, you know, to the point mm-hmm. where, like, it's not going to come back in time for the next show. So, um, yeah, I did, after that, looked into... Uh, 
There's a DVD series called Zen of Screaming. Um, yeah. I know you might have heard of it. Uh, Melissa Cross, I think her name is. Um, yeah, I watched that DVD and I um, downloaded the – it comes with like a, an extra CD pack thing that had like just warm-ups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd um, <clears throat> go in the van like before we'd play and just be doing these like stupid, you know, la, 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 la <laughs> sort of stuff. And um, I found that that really helped, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, the stamina of my voice, being able to like, you know, get through the show to the point where I could do the next night as well, you know what I mean? Now let's rewind to when reactions started. Now at the time, how did you form the band with mates? Like, was it? Did everyone know each other, or was it kind of a thing of like one or two were like, "Hey, we need a drummer. Let's go get the drummer." I mean, how did you guys form the band? The initial stage. Yeah, I mean that's a tricky one. I'm trying to uh, just recall here. so I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this right. I think I put up a Facebook group and it was called the Lockie Pitcher Hardcore Band or something <laughs> really, really lame like that. Just being like, hey, like I want to, you know, play in a hardcore band, like, you know, give me some members. And um, uh, there was a guy, Josh, who's still in the, uh, the only one from then that's still in the band now. Uh, he played bass. And I think we were talking about some band I'd recorded and he was like, yeah, this sounds sweet, man. Like I play bass. And then we were like, yeah, cool. Let's hang out. And eventually we were like, cool. Yeah. Like let's do this, this band thing. And then, yeah, it was just some, some other guys that we'd seen around at shows. Another guy I went to high school with, we knew could play a bit of guitar, just threw it together. Like, you know, I wrote the demo and recorded it all and basically sort of showed those guys how to play it. And then just went from there. Yeah. Now at the time, how was the Adelaide, or South Australian metal hardcore scene because, I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, so I remember Adelaide being really thriving in the early 2000s and then Mm -hmm. I think around this time that you guys started it was going through a low point, but correct me if I am wrong, but what was the local scene like when you guys started up? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I guess it, it comes from, you know, I was a kid growing up, I was so stoked on it, so I guess I probably got a bit of a biased opinion. But um, when we first started, like, 2011, it wasn't, I guess you couldn't say, like, the straight-up hardcore scene. Like, that might have probably been in a bit of a low. But um, we were sort of that hardcore-ish band. There was one or two other bands like that in the metalcore scene, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a really all-age-driven scene, so... There was this venue called the Underground. I'm not sure if, if you've been to Adelaide and been there, mm. um, but there was there was an original one, and then it moved to um, uh, Light Square in the city, and it was this unlicensed uh, all ages venue. So like no drinks or anything like that, and like I, I can't remember they might have had like a 12 p.m. curfew or something like that. And so um, parents were you know heaps stoked to send their kids there. Um, so like you'd get like I, I can remember just local shows that had like 300 kids. And, like, it wouldn't matter who's on the lineup where. Like, everyone was friends. Like, you know, there was a lot of young bands as well. Like, we were all, you know, 16, 17, and we were all in bands, and we all had friends in bands. So we just, like, lineups were just a plenty, and, like, there'd just be kids everywhere loving it. So my view of, of when we started the scene was actually fucking awesome. Mm. And we had um, a few um, international bands that came through and they'd be like, yeah, this is fucking sick. Like there's heaps of kids going crazy. But I guess the crazy thing is compared to today is that we were all kids. Like Mm. there's, it's almost the opposite now. Most shows are 18 plus. Um, yeah, the very rare all age show. And when you do have one, you know, there might be two or three kids actually under 18 that are there. So it's not quite worth the, um, you know, the extra liability and security costs and things like that. Yeah, that's something I'm I'm definitely going to come back to when we get near the end. But you mentioned, you know, international bands coming through town. Um, Before you guys released Out of the Dark or around the time you guys released Out of the Dark, you guys were playing a lot of local shows, but you were also popping up as support on a lot of international bands. How did those kind of shows come about for you supporting international bands was it through the label connections was it through your own determination was a bit of both yeah yeah i mean i would say probably like 90 percent just my own determination i'd just like be emailing or talking to someone at shows like whenever i could like hey man like you know we're a fucking we're a hardcore band from adelaide i know there aren't heaps of them so like if Mm. if you want you know someone to play xyz show like yet we're heaps keen um and yeah, it probably wasn't until 
Uh, we played with Relentless and I met Trent and then obviously dogfight re- records happened that we actually had like real proper help in, in terms of a label. We had um, Greg from Arrest, uh, mm. who's legend, um, who put our uh, our seven inch out. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all he did. He just sort of helped us put it out. And that's all, that's all he has to do as a label. But yeah, I would say um, most of what we were doing was, yeah, self-driven. Yeah, see, I mean, it's quite great to hear and see that some bands like you guys were of that old school DIY mentality. You know, if, yeah. if you want it, you got to go out and fucking push it. You know, Absolutely. you have to get in everyone's faces. You have to network. Um, was that something that you kind of knew was the way to do or was it just something that after a couple of shows and you're like, all right, we're not getting anything here, maybe I need to push it? I mean, how did you yeah. go into being a DIY hardcore kind of guy? Yeah, well, I guess it kind of like, you know, after we all sort of hit 18, 19, whatever, and these sort of, uh, this the underground sort of died out a little bit and there wasn't like these all-age shows, I was like, oh, shit, we've got to like, you know, try and get on these 18-plus shows. And um, I just sort of started like finding emails on, on uh, like the Facebook events or whatever they were and just hitting them up and being like, hey, mate, we're X, Y, like, you know, we're keen for this and that. And um yeah, we just we got lucky with a few things here and there, but yeah, as I said, mostly like just just basically like not giving up really was what it was. Like you know, if we didn't get a show for a few months, that's what it was. But like you know, we'd plan our own little Melbourne trip if we had to, or or try and get a band over or, or whatever it was. Just try and fill it in, play as much as we could. Now going into that that release out of the dark. How did it go for you guys reception wise? Do you do you feel it at the time? Did it make the right kind of waves for you? Did it bring enough attention that you kind of needed at the time? Mm, yeah, I mean, we were still kind of playing. Like, yeah, we had the odd support here and there. We were still playing mostly local shows. We were, I think, we did like maybe Melbourne and Sydney off of the mm. back of it. We didn't really go as hard as you know. If in hindsight, I probably would have. Um, so. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We sort of um, just rolled with the punches, really. Like, it, like looking back, yeah, there's so many things I probably would have done differently. But at the same time, it was, you know, a learning curve. We were still kids. Like, I was still figuring out what the hell, like, you know, managing a band meant and, mm. and all of that stuff. And, and being DIY, it meant that we could only go as far as, you know, I was willing to take us. So um, I think we did pretty well for for what we had, yeah. I think I think you did. I think you did really well. I mean, that's that's how you guys popped up on my radar was as soon as mm. that was released. And I yep. think it's the kind of thing with the Australian hardcore scene. If you're in, if you got your head to the ground and you're listening, you would have heard about you guys when that mm. popped up. Um, yeah. But the real time I think momentum started was, and I've got the beauty here, Soul Witness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, now this one, you still had the same kind of sound from the seven inch, um, but you started to evolve a little bit. How did this go for you during this phase of the band? Because it seemed like this really was well received. You guys started to really appear on a lot of international shows. Uh, momentum seemed to be on your side. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like, you know, if you ask me and probably pretty much everyone else in the band, we sort of say that the band really started with that album, mm. mainly because it, it was a different lineup. We had a new drummer, um, Liam, who who was from a band uh, about four hours out of here uh, in Wyala called Concepts. And now we also have the guitarist that was from that band as well, um, who shreds his head off. But um, <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of where, where we started what I would call reactions because the the yeah the musicality of it is uh i would say far superior to what came before and i wrote you know the majority of the stuff that 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 came before and um with the addition of liam he he plays heaps of guitar um he shreds his head off as well so comes up with some crazy ideas so um it's it just sort of worked a lot better with the songwriting having you know the a lot more input and being able to go okay this riff's like hectic and this one's like you know really heavy and just being able to put it all together rather than you know having it come from mostly one sort of source and um it just meant that you know we could create a much more diverse record as well 
and being our first album as well, I guess people were, were going to give us a bit more time of day as well. Now, were you given much of a time of day outside of South Australia? Like, were you noticing mm. when you played a show in Sydney or if you played a show in Melbourne, were you noticing more kids turning up to your shows, more kids singing along? Yeah, well, I mean, more than, I mean, as I said, we only really did the, um, we did the Vanity Tour and um, and the little Melbourne and Sydney shows. So we didn't have heaps to go off and that was all just experience. We were just happy to like go, go and play shows. We didn't care if anyone was there or not, but yeah, hundred percent. Like once we released Soul Witness, um, p- people started learning the songs and, and buying merch and, and sort of, you know, like coming up to us at the merch desk, you know, even though it was a support band, they were saying, yeah, you know, I came here to see you guys and stuff. So that was really cool. And that sort of definitely turned the corner for us in our heads as well. Like, oh, okay, like maybe maybe we can, you know, continue doing this. And the shows were look like they were getting bigger and bigger. I mean, yeah. ar- around this time there was, thinking off the top of my head, like I think you guys did Stick to Your Guns. Yeah. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot of hardcore shows. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was heaps of bands touring around then. And like I, f- I feel lately, there's been there's been some good tours, but there hasn't been uh, as a consistent, you know, uh, American bands mm. coming here that really are in that niche hardcore genre that you know we could tour with. We were sort of pretty lucky that we we're in a period where there was those tours going on. Australian bands as well that we toured with, um, and it just worked in our favour. And then then a couple of years later, you guys rolled out. I think it was one of the best. I mean. Uh, 2017, it was just a boss of an album, March of Disillusion. Oh, thanks, man. Like, dude, like, fucking solid fucking album. Like, unbelievable. Um, and it came out of left center for me because songs like Wrong Direction, um, Toxic Waste. I mean, mm. this album, was there a lot more time taken into this album? Because this album feels, and don't take it the wrong way, feels very nah. fucking mature. Very yeah. mature. Well, that was that was the idea behind it. I think is that we had matured a fair bit as musicians, especially uh, me and Liam, who'd been writing a lot of it. And um, uh, Nate, we had the addition of Nathan, who I said shreds his head head off. He comes up with crazy ideas as well. So it just like lent itself to even more, yeah, I guess you could say maturity and technicality. And we were definitely very much aiming for like a technical but a catchy album, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, I'm I'm still happy with it. I think it came out really good. And it seemed like it was a critic favorite as well. You guys were getting lots of lots of plaudits left, right, and center as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were doing, I guess, something a little bit different to what we'd done before, and we were mm-hmm. probably a bit scared going into it that, oh, hey, this isn't Soul Witness 2.0. But I, I guess if you look back at everything we've done, it, it's like it's always been different. So. If anything, it's following the trend of how we go in, in not st- staying the same on every release. Now, on that release as well, you guys linked up with Resist Records. Now, how did that come about for March of Disillusion? Yeah, um, it's a good question, actually. We'd um, work with Graham a little bit, um, just doing like support shows, like just emailing him back and forth and sort of just keeping in touch, trying to keep my name sort of like in the back of his mind. Um, and then... Uh, Another band I'm in level, uh, Pete, the singer of that band, yeah, he um, he's really good friends with him and I think he was in his ear about us, like, yeah, you guys should, you know, hook up with this band. And then, yeah, it just sort of worked out that around the time I don't think he had heaps of releases coming out and I just hit him up and then had a phone call with him and said, yeah, we've got this album ready to go, like, are you keen? And he was like, yep, sweet. And, like, yeah, just was real easy to deal with and, um, yeah, I'm stoked that we were able to do it. Now, that album was released, you guys, then it felt like, it really felt like you guys weren't really playing shows. It, it kind of, everything kind of, it from an outside's perspective, it yeah. looked like you guys weren't playing a lot because that album, for me, should have just propelled you guys to the next stage. But, mm. you know, you were appearing on a show here or there. Like last yep. year, I think, might be a handful of shows you guys played. Yeah. Um, yeah, we why? didn't. We didn't do as as much as we probably would have wanted to. Um, probably for a lot of reasons. I don't know. Around the time we were we were booking the um, the March of Dissolution tour that ended up being really good. Um, 
there was maybe two or three tours that were sort of a bit close to that or just we didn't didn't think that we fit enough or whatever and so we turned down a few tours here and there and then it sort of it was like a six month sort of dry spell where there just wasn't really any um hardcore international bands touring we could could support and we'd already done our own headline tour so we were sort of a bit yeah in limbo a little bit and then we were just writing music on the side playing shows where we could i mean we still did things like invasion fest we Mm. went to perth um played some great shows in those places we um before that we'd been to southeast asia so we weren't we weren't going to go there again we yeah we sort of just uh, as we always have just rolls rolled with the punches but um yeah we definitely would have liked to have uh done more in that time now you said Said in there, writing music. I mean, did you kind of have you guys been capitalising on the downtime? I mean, where where is the band going into twenty nineteen? I mean, you know, anyone that's aware, there there is shows here and there, but mm. what's the go? Is are you guys looking to bring out something soon? Are you going to just try and play more shows? What are we mm-hmm. looking for this year? Yeah, well, without saying too much, uh, definitely 100% new music this year. Um, yes. It's recorded and ready to go. Um, we're working on some videos and hopefully, yeah, I would love to get out first half of this year, mm-hmm. I'm hoping. Um, so, yeah, definitely going to be hearing from us. And um, I think it will probably shock some people. It's, it's a bit heavier, mm. uh, a bit more straightforward, a bit darker. So, yeah, I'm really interested to show people for sure and I'm, and we're definitely not done so to speak <laughs> yeah because that, that must be one of the hardest things is, oh, yeah, in, it is in the current climate of very minimal attention spans being in a band you got to worry that if you're not in everyone's faces reminding them of, that you exist that everyone's yep. going to forget and move on to whatever other band is on yeah. the moment yeah well i think it's hard like you know after you've done your second album you kind of and obviously doing an ep and technically a demo before that we're thinking like shit we've released a lot of music we don't just want to do another album um you know we want to just sort of make sure we we make the right moves here so i guess that's why it took a little bit longer to to um come to fruition but yeah i think it's going to be worth the wait. i think yeah i think people will like the way we're going Ooh, you're going grindcore haven't you uh, absolutely not. <laughs> but nothing, nothing against grindcore, but no, it's definitely um, heavy, heavier, and a bit slower. Yeah, it's all pig squeals for fourteen tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to ask a couple of things um, in in relation to you know being in a band nowadays, um, and especially an Australian band as well. And one is about. You know, the live music scene, you were saying before, as a kid, it seemed like when you were playing that everyone was there, everyone was in for the live music. How is it now for bands? Are you seeing a bit of a downturn in attendances or is it kind of literally it's really based on who's on the bill? Yeah, I mean, sort of hit the nail on the head there, I guess. Uh, more so what seems to happen these days is that people will turn out for the the you know the american bands and and it's it is a little frustrating i guess to see that like okay so you know these people you don't see the local shows you obviously still really love the music and you're still active you know quote unquote within the scene but um i don't think it's like necessarily in a lull or anything like that i think just like sort of modern society in general has has sort of took a downturn with live music i think you know you've got um, the stuff that's happening in New South Wales at the moment with live music, um, you know, like venues shutting down here and there. We're pretty lucky in Adelaide. We've got some really cool venues and they're all like right in the city and they're awesome. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just just in general, like as you say, the attention spans, uh, people on their phones, like, you know, it's not, it's not the same as when I got into the scene and you would sort of just go to a show and you'd literally just rock up, like sometimes not even knowing who's playing and just, like checking out bands live rather than, oh, you know, I've got to know the whole back catalogue on my Spotify before I go and see a band. So, yeah, I think I think just the mindset in general of how people discover bands has changed. Um, so that's probably got something to do with it. And then that that that's, well, I think you, you're spot on as well. I think the current climate with the industry is a bit different. So what's it like for you yeah. as, as an artist? Do you find that 
there's a lot more power and control for you nowadays with um, streaming, downloading, you know, being able to record things easily? Or mm. do you see that everything's a bit more of a challenge? Is it a bit more keeping you on your toes? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it seems like some bands, it works in their favor and some, some don't. I guess we're in more of a quote-unquote underground style of music, so it's always going to, it's never going to be like fully in the mainstream. Mm. So, you know, things like Spotify and stuff, it, it does help us so much. But um, I feel like the old sort of DIY ethic of, as I was saying, just going to a show, just checking out bands, just buying a CD like or a record and looking in it and going, yeah, check out this band, check out this band. There was something like about that that made you feel like the community was, you know, thriving and you wanted to be a part of it. Whereas now it's sort of like, you know, you see a Facebook event pop up and you hit attend and then you don't even think about it until like the night before and it gives you a notification and you're like, oh, cool, I guess I'm going to a show tonight. Like it's not, yeah, I don't know. It's just the mindset in general I think that has changed but not to say that it's like absolutely terrible and can't ever be saved or whatever but it's just very different and um, even going about getting shows and stuff is different, you know, just messaging like people on Facebook about shows more than just like seeing them at a show and like discussing it there and things like that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's also got to be a bit challenging now. Um, how, how we said attention, you know, you've got to drop a video, got to drop a single, got to drop new merch. Yep. Um, is that something you're aware of in 2019? You know, are you going to, are you going to just release something straight up or are you going to try and, slowly drop things along the way yeah probably a bit of both i mean it's not um i can tell you straight away it's not an album that we're putting out so it's not mm. um we're not we're not as worried about that um yeah maybe drop a few things here and there space them out a little bit i mean you do have to think about that a lot more these days as you say with the attention spans and um as i said we've already done two albums so um that's yeah it's interesting seeing like a band you know drop an album and then you sort of already know that like people are going to check out the, probably the first half of it and mm. you know they might not even listen to that even if they love like the first three four five songs they're probably you know not going to get to the the end of the album so um it's just a different way of thinking about it and and yeah it's definitely content driven more and more bands are just going uh let's just do singles like you know let's just do three four singles and drop it with videos and yeah just just trying to play to the the current climate which you sort of, you know, unfortunately have to do. Yeah, it, it unfortunately is, you know, using one of your phrases, rolling with the punches, you kind of just have mm. to adapt. Um, Absolutely. You have to chameleon along the way. Um, now, an interesting thing I wanted to ask is genre tags. You know, it's something that I kind of laugh at quite yeah. a lot nowadays, Um because, you know, I'm a, a fan of every style. But if I say hardcore, someone goes, oh, what kind of hardcore? I'm like, what do you mean, what kind of hardcore? They're it's like, hardcore. well, is it melodic? Is it metallic? Yep. Is it hard-edged? Is it thrash hardcore? <laughs> it's like, it's fucking sure. hardcore. Like, <laughs> doesn't it all fall under the same bracket? I mean, w w do yeah. you guys find that if you name, if you go onto a bill and they say, reactions are a hardcore band, do you get looked at in a weird way? Do you have to kind of be more specific? Um, yeah, it's interesting, actually. It kind of sprung to mind uh, this one guy in Canberra that um, we sort of have a joke in our band. He, he came he came up to us after the set and was like, oh, you guys are really cool, but you're not really a hardcore band, are you? And we were <laughs> like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, call us what you want to call us, man. Like, <laughs> like as long as you're having fun sort of thing. And, and we, yeah, that's sort of the way we feel is like, once upon a time, I probably cared a lot about, you know, genre, yeah, tags, as you say, but, um, yeah, couldn't care less these days. Like, of course, a metalcore band, that's fine. I, I love that. Like, you know, <laughs> where we're, we, a lot of us came from that background and um, we just want to play fucking heavy music that people bang their heads to. Like, who cares what you call it, really? Now, another part of being in a band nowadays is social media the aspect mm. of social media and using social media as a tool. Um, is it something that's easy to do? Because to be honest, I don't think it'd be easy being in a band, making sure you're constantly posting something and you're not posting yeah. the same thing because if you post the same thing, people are going to ignore it if they've already seen it the first time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, not as easy as it might look. Some Some bands I feel like, 
maybe even in the band name or like the the style of music lends itself a lot more to um to Instagram or like the visual side of things and mm. there's a there's a lot that you can drum up in terms of content and stuff like that but yeah I think that's definitely one aspect where we're still very DIY I pretty much do with the social media stuff um and you know apart from like good photos that we might get on tour or whatever there's not a whole lot of content um that you can you know keep fresh in people's minds especially yeah when you're not playing as, as many shows so it's it's definitely tricky and it is something that again you just unfortunately you've got to you've got to do mm. so yeah yeah i definitely feel for the bands out there struggling with that stuff <laughs> now i wanted to allow a chance for you to maybe give a bit more of a thing i think a lot of people understand being in a band that isn't the size of a north lane or a parkway um the pressures that you go through sometimes a lot of people don't know. I mean, mm. you've got the pressure of the finances, the pressure of the time, um, the pressure of expectations and goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. What what would you like to sometimes say to someone that comes to your show and then argues at the fact that a T-shirt's 30 bucks instead of 15 bucks? Yeah, true. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like... It, just touching on that, we've always tried to keep our merch as cheap as we can. You do, um, yeah. You know, with put, putting a little bit of a profit margin on it. But yeah, um, that's a that's a tricky question, actually. Um, I don't know, like being touring and, and all of that stuff. You just really, you just got to do it because it's fun and you love it. And you, you know, if you have to put a bit of money in, that's what you got to do. If you if you come out of a tour on top, that's fucking awesome. Like when we did our headline tour. Um, we definitely did a lot better than we thought financially. So that was awesome, but it wasn't something that we were like, you know, all right, now, you know, every other tour has to pay for itself or, or whatever it might be. And like, you know, if you get to get to the point where you're traveling overseas, you know, with your mates on a holiday to play some shows, like that's awesome. Like if you've got to, you know, buy a plane ticket here or there, you're not going to really complain about that, but it is, it, it is a little frustrating, you know, when, when people say the things you're talking about, but, you know, until you until you're in a band and until you've actually like emotionally invested yourself and, and said like, yeah, I'm gonna do this no matter what. You're not sort of gonna understand that like, you know, yeah, you don't really quote unquote make money being in a in a hardcore band, but it's it's never gonna be about that. You know, if if you're someone that subscribes to you know the sort of hardcore beliefs, I guess. Yeah, fucking amen there. Yeah, definitely. Um... Now, a couple of questions before we kind of look to wrap things up. One is lyrics. Do you find lyrics easy to do? Is it something that's a bit of a struggle? Um, is it a bit of an outlet, an event for you? Yeah, definitely when we first started, it was just like, you know, I was just pissed off. Like, you know, some dude I hated, I'd be like, yeah, cool, let's write this guy off and like make it sound <laughs> fucking cool to a hardcore song. But I guess, yeah, doing like an EP, two albums, you get to the point where you're like, oh, maybe I'll like write about some other shit other than myself, you know what I mean? Like mm. real world issues and things like that. So in that sense, it it kind of comes easy to me. Like I, I sort of just sit down and like have an idea in my head and then I'll generally write the song or at least the, the basis of it in, you know, 10, 20 minutes um, and then go back and maybe alter a few things. But yeah, I'm fairly like off the cuff with it. Once I've got, I can't really like, I'm not very good at coming back and putting myself back into the moment where I was feeling what actually like drove the original idea of the lyrics. So I kind of not pressure myself, but go like, just take this as far as you possibly can while you can, while you've got the idea in your head. And that generally lends itself to, to a song that's a bit more, bit more coherent and, you know, that actually has some sort of meaning to it. Fuck yeah. Now, last question before we start wrapping things up is, what were your goals when you first wanted to be in a band and what are your goals in 2019 being in a band? Ooh, that's that's an interesting one. I'd say when I first started a band, all I wanted to do was just play one show. I was like, I just want to get up there on stage and like have people clap and be like, wow, that was amazing and all that stuff. And then, you know, you just move on with your goals as you go. All right, I've done that. So now I want to I wanna record something. I want to put it put out something i want to put out a song and then obviously like 
coming from my background, I want to learn how to record it and, and do all that stuff. And, and yeah, it just, it just goes on and on from there. I want to tour. I want to, yeah, I want to like, you know, uh, get X person to like mix my music or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, in terms of 2019, I guess things look a lot different and I'm like, honestly really stoked with looking back what we've been able to do. Um, just being a little hardcore band from Adelaide. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have any like great expectations. As I said, I just roll with the punches and, um, you know, one thing that we really want to do is get to Europe. Um, that's definitely on the cards. We, we did actually get an offer um, that was pretty good quite recently, but we just sort of found out that that's been put on hiatus due to other tours being offered to the band and whatever. So, um, But that's something that we really, really are looking to do either, well, hopefully like early 2020, um, something like that, and just want to get out and, and play as much as we can while we can, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Get over there and fucking start tearing them up. That's what we need. Yeah, that's the aim, yeah. Now... Dude, last section we do, and some people say it's their favourite part of my weekly chats with guests, it's called Pick Your Poison. Now, what I do, um, this is kind of going to show what makes you tick. Now, I give you two options and you have to pick one. Now, you are welcome to give a reason why you picked the thing you did, or as some people do, they just try to roll on to the next one. They're like, oh, we'll just move on. So, yep. we'll start off with an easy one. Hopefully an easy one. Okay. Would you rather go a pizza or a burger? Um, shit, that's really tricky. Oh. Oh, uh, man. I'm probably, I probably would have said pizza, but I had a pizza like a couple of nights ago and it like did a number on my stomach <laughs> and it actually kind of made me realize that that's what they do. So, unfortunately, just, yeah, just by default, I'll go burger and like also because there's like heaps of good burger places these days, so um you can find a, a good burger pretty much like anywhere you go. Now, chicken or beef? <sighs> I should have said they're all hard. I should have yeah, just said that. Yeah, this is this is hard for sure. I would probably say beef just because it's harder to like fuck up beef. I feel like chicken you can get like really dry and yeah. you know like so, yeah. So I'd probably say like. It's beef just because it's going to be better most of the time. Yeah, but how do you how do you have your beef when it's cooked? Um, well, I love a good steak. Mm. Um, and like just beef mainly when I'd have it is like in a burger or in a bolognese or whatever. So pretty hard to screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> now, next one on the food spectrum is: Would you prefer Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Or Indian for sure, but I do love Chinese. Okay. Now, do you prefer a beer or a whiskey? Uh, anyone that knows me, beer for sure. Bit of a uh, craft beer connoisseur. <laughs> ah, crafty. You're a crafty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, do you prefer to cook at home or dine out? Um, damn, that's tricky. Probably say dine out usually because um, I'm always the one to just pick something random on the menu and try something new, whereas you sort of know what you're going to get if, you, if you're cooking, I guess. Yeah, the advantage of dining out is you don't have to clean up either. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, yeah that, that seals it, I reckon. Now, Go would you out. prefer to watch a movie on the couch or at the cinema? Um, uh, shit, that's a hard one. I haven't been to the movies for, for a little while, so I'll probably just say on the couch. Like, there's so much stuff you can watch now with Netflix and all of that. So, yeah, on the couch. And it's affordable on the couch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, do you prefer beach or snow? Well, oh, actually, I've never um, seen snow, so Whoa. I'm just going to have to say beach by default, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Fuck. Really? Yeah. Never yeah, seen snow. Yeah, we don't snow. get much in. I think it snowed, like, maybe a handful of times up at a place called Mount Lofty here in Adelaide, but, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't snow here, and I just have, when I've been traveling, I've just never seen it somehow. You get lots of rain there, though. Ah, uh, yeah, plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer to skateboard or rollerblade? I'm not very good at either, so that's a tricky one. I did a little bit of rollerblading in the back in the day, but I feel like skateboarding's cooler, so I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, safe safe answer. Safe answer. <laughs> um cat or dog? Oh, definitely dog. I yes. to um King Charles Cavaliers and uh they're my fucking bros, so yeah. Oh, sure. m- mad love there. Mad love there. Yep. Um PS four or Xbox? 
Uh, I was always an Xbox guy, so okay. I'll go with that, but no hate on PS4 or PlayStation in general. Um, are you Batman or Superman? I'm going to say Batman just because The Dark Knight is probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine or Deadpool? Uh, Deadpool. Um, I never got heaps into Wolverine, and I actually haven't seen any of the Deadpool movies. I've only read the comics. I was very much into the comics. But, yeah, I just haven't haven't seen the movies yet, so that you just reminded me of something I've got to do. Yeah, there you go. That's what you got to do. James Bond or Jason Bourne? Uh, definitely James Bond. Um, I loved my, my stepdad when I was a kid growing up, lo- like loved James Bond. He used to play the Xbox, like James Bond game with me. Yeah, no, nah, hundred percent James Bond. Um, Terminator or Predator? That's tricky. Um, I've only seen a couple of the Predators. I'm like a massive movie dude. So these are interesting questions. Um, Terminator, just because Arnie's a fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Um, Rambo. Or Rocky? Uh, I feel like Rocky takes the cake on that one, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Freddy or Jason? Oh, that's tricky, man. I'm going to go Freddy. Nice. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, probably Star Wars just because I haven't seen heaps of Star Trek. Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually that much of a Star Wars guy. But um, I've seen the first few movies and, and I do like them. So, yes, that was. Um, South Park or Simpsons? Uh, definitely Simpsons because uh, South Park was the one show that my mum banned me from watching when I was a kid. <laughs> but my brother used to watch it anyway, so I did see a little bit of it. But, yeah, no, nah, I got right into Simpsons. Um, Anchorman or Step Brothers? Oh, shit. Now you're talking my language. Um Step Brothers is like just so many one-liners, so I'm probably gonna have to go with that. But Anchorman is pretty good too. Yeah, see, I wouldn't be able to pick those. Um, they're yeah, both. Yeah, no, that's that's mm. right on the on the fence for sure. Yeah, too too hard for me to decide. Um, okay, this one's a random one because I quite I find both the shows very funny. So it'll be interesting to see if you've seen either of them. Walker Texas Ranger or MacGyver. I actually don't know Walker Texas Ranger. Um, oh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> sorry to say. Oh, that's a, that's the Chuck Norris one, is it? Yeah, true. Well, shit. Well, he's pretty badass, isn't he? Although, yeah, but then, but then I've Mac- seen MacGyver, and he is uh, he's a clever fella. So I might have to give it to him. <laughs> I was going to say because then you got MacGyver that can do anything with chewing gum and an elastic band. So yeah, mad, mad respect. Um, great. We're going to have some music ones now. Would you rather go Terra or Madball? Very hard one. <sighs> Yeah, that is hard. I got into Madball first, so I'll go with them. And I, I, I wasn't like a full-blown terror kid like a lot of a lot of hardcore kids are, but um, definitely mad respect to both. Uh, sick of it all or Agnostic Front? Um, damn, that's tricky. Probably Agnostic Front, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, Slayer or Pantera? <laughs> Another tricky one. Pantera is really heavy, but Slayer just has riffs for days. So um, in terms of like what I've done with my music, Slayer's probably contributed to that somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Metallica or Megadeth? Oh, 100% Metallica for yeah. sure. Metallica is, yeah, in terms of metal, like definitely my favorite metal band for sure. Um, so, yeah, got to give it to them. But Dave Mustaine has his days as well. He does. Yeah, I don't think he ever thinks he does, but yeah. No, he no, does. he definitely doesn't. <laughs> um, Trivium or Kill Switch? Oh, Kill Switch for sure. I, I I never got full into Trivium. I definitely respect what they're doing, but um, yeah, Kill Switch is like I feel like almost the start of of metalcore and, and what I was getting into at that time. So yeah, mad props to them. Now this one's specially for you. Uh, uh, is it Port Adelaide or Adelaide Crows? <laughs> I'm a port man through and through. Um, so is Liam, our drummer. Yeah, we're mad port supporters. Uh, I'm not going to give too much disrespect to the Crows, but uh, yeah, count the pair. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Now, last couple. Um, would you rather see the show in the middle of the mosh pit or up the back in safety? Ooh. If you asked me that question a few years ago, I probably would have said in the pit, but um, 
as I've grown older, I, I can definitely respect just watching a band and, and taking it all in rather than uh, being hit. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you prefer to tour or record? I'm definitely going to say record. Uh, touring is is really fun, but it's like, for, I don't know, for me, it's a pretty full-on experience, like mentally and physically. So, yeah, and recording is what I do for a living. So, like, yeah, I obviously really enjoy recording my own band. And last one, would you prefer to own an uh, own an album on CD, vinyl, or downloaded? Um, I'm gonna have to say vinyl out of those. Yeah, for sure. I definitely uh, had a, a decent collection for a few years there. Um, but you know, CDs CDs are cool as well. Nice. Um, dude, fucking smashed it. Did nice one. Sick man. Like. Thank you for taking time out, man. A big fan. No um, Yeah, I used to live in Melbourne, now live in Sunshine Coast. So been kind of cool. following you guys for a while. Um, you're one of the few Aussie bands in hardcore that I was like, have to have on. Um, and I really appreciate it, man. No, no worries. Uh, we're going to be up in Brisbane soon, actually, if you, yeah. if you can. <laughs> yeah, when are you, when are you up, here, up here? Uh yeah, next weekend we're doing a tour with um, Dreg and another band called oh, Life Skills. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think we're playing at Crowbar. Um, yeah, so I'll come sh- along if you want. Yeah, I'll tell I'll tell the wife I'm having a night off and um, <laughs> nice one. I'll, I'll duck out. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, that was that was really good, man. I really appreciate. it. No worries. Thanks heaps, man.
So that was my chat with Lockie from Reactions, and at the end there, you heard their songs Wrong Direction and Toxic Waste. Both of those are off the band's most recent album called March of Desolution. Now, don't forget, guys, as you heard during that chat, there is also an EP and a 7-inch of theirs that you can find online, maybe on eBay, maybe in your local record store. Get out and support one of the best hard-working Aussie hardcore bands going around. Thank you again, Lockie. Really, really appreciate you taking time out for me, dude. And really looking forward to hopefully this band getting a bit bigger. Hopefully some more shows and hopefully some new music on the way. So that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 66. Done, dusted, locked away, all wrapped up, done for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh news and Mosh reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.